This is a podcast from Rover. The Morning Rumble Catch-Up Podcast. We have Brad Smaler in the studio with us. He joins us. Brad, pro wakeboarder turned quadriplegic, owning it. Your new book is out, The Ride That Changed My Life. Thank you so much for coming in this morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, you are. You seem to be a great guy to me, early doors, but you do know Jay Reeve. He might, Brad <laughs> might change his mind, mate. <laughs> so you do know Jay Reeve from the afternoon show, so he's a real crook individual. So how do you know our very own Jay Reeve? Yeah, we do have a few questionable uh, mutual friends. But uh, no, Jay and I go way back to, actually there's a part in the book that I write about where I found a spillway down in um, Tokoroa to yes. try to jump up. It was sort of the first of its kind type of stunt. Yeah. And, that was back when Jay was with MTV, so I invited them along to come yep. and cover it. Um, and they filmed me fail and uh, almost put myself in hospital. Um, mum actually stepped in and was like, nah, you're done, stop. Like, <laughs> Your mum? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was it. He, yeah, he did say that you were really pushing it on that dam on that day. Yeah. Um, uh, he, said this, you, he, said, he said you just did that all the time. He said you pushed it, uh, pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. But he said to ask you about, because you were essentially jumping a dam. Totally, and, yeah. and I, I didn't even like, it's, that's the thing, it's trial and error, and I used the completely wrong ramp for it. It was like a freestyle motocross ramp for a quad bike, Yeah, wow. and it was just way too steep for the speed that I needed coming in, and so a couple of years later, well, it ended up like just bucking me out of control, and yeah. I ended up like upside down, like a meter or so above the concrete dam, and oh, wow. um that was when mum was like, nah, you're done. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, I went back and built a proper ramp for it and, and yeah. did it properly. So tell us uh, the situation which leads you to this book, uh, which is a great book. It's called Owning It. Uh, it's, it's a big book and how you got to write it. But uh, your tragic accident uh, in 2014. Yeah. So, I, you know, as, as we said before, I was kind of pushing the limits yeah. with the sport. Um, I wasn't, you know, the best in the world in terms of competitions behind the boat. I sort of would make some semifinals and mm. the occasional file, uh, final, but... Uh, my main angle was pushing the limits, new tricks, new, you know, taking it to new levels. And um, and a couple of weeks before the accident, I'd landed a new trick at an event in Germany called Rising High. It was a double backflip with a backside 180 rotation. So in snowboarding terms, it'd be like a double backside rodeo. Um, and you kind of end up landing backwards. And it was on a mega ramp, so... You know, usually in wakeboarding, you just crash into the water, mm-hmm. whereas this is like your big freestyle motocross type setup, yeah. um, which meant we could go way bigger, which was kind of what I loved doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, the idea was to have a nice, soft, smooth landing um, as long as you get your board down. Yeah. And um, so I landed that trick in Germany, and then we were filming for a movie um, back at Lake Ronix where I was living and training. It was our team training facility that I was um, living on site and managing. And, um, yeah, we had this big mega ramp and I was going for it. It was our final day of filming and then just backed out at the wrong time and just things didn't feel right. Um, I was kind of pushing myself in a way that, you know, I, I felt like there was no option for me as um, I needed to land that truck for the yeah. movie. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I was backed into a corner financially. I yeah. was 27. I was nearing. I was getting old in wakeboard terms and I was like, I need to start making money yeah. in the sport. Uh, I need to get noticed. I need to, you know, win trick of the year yeah. and did that. But um, unfortunately, when I tried that trick again, I bowed out at the wrong time and crashed head first into the ramp, knocked myself out and um, shattered my C4 vertebrae. And mm. yeah. 
you were saying that you felt off that day. Do you remember it or have you seen footage of it? How does it, how do you remember it all? Like I remember everything leading up to the crash. After my accident, I didn't remember exactly how it went until I saw the footage because we were filming for the movie. Yeah. So it's an extra high definition, super slow-mo, like wow. you see everything. Oh, and um, so like I just remember when I was feeling off, I mean like I just, I was pushing it to the point where my, like my legs were getting a bit shaky. I was kind of, you know, a bit fatigued and yeah, just kind of pushed it a bit too far. So obviously um, that occurred and what we want to talk about is amazingly you've written this book and when I say you wrote it, you did write it. You wrote like 80,000 words or something ridiculous. No, 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 way more ridiculous than that. 450,000 words. <laughs> 450,000 words. Yeah. So that was, I think my contract was for 80,000. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's just, you know, I'm, I'm not a writer. Well, no. I am now, but yeah. I wasn't. Like I, I've read maybe five or six books in my life. Wow. And it's been, has the book been years in the making? Yeah. Like, and it took how long did it years. take you? Talk us through, yeah, how it went about yeah. that you wrote half a million words nearly. Well, I mean, like, I just started writing. Because that's pretty much as long as what my questions usually yeah. are. <laughs> I get paid out for taking too long to ask a question. Paid by so. the word. Yeah. Um, no, I, I just started writing because it was something, I, you know, I wanted to get some stuff out. And then it was a couple of years after I started and I was just kind of, you know, I wasn't really super serious about trying to get something finished at that point. But then the publishers approached me, um, Ellen and Unwin, um, I think based off my Facebook and Instagram posts mm. yeah. and just kind of the style of writing. And um, and then so that's when I really started to dig into it. And just the fact that I'm, you know, I wasn't a writer. I didn't know how to write a book. Um, I just brain dumped my whole life story. Mm. And so it ended up being pretty long. But the, the editors were amazing. Um, and they, you know, they helped me kind of pick what was to stay in and what, what wasn't. Yeah. And, you know, some of it was was therapy for me. It was kind of writing. I was going to ask that. Was it, was it quite cathartic? Very, very cathartic. It was also really tough as well, kind of. You know, it's first person present tense. The way yeah. I'm writing it is, you know, my mentality yeah. and my attitude and is everything is from that moment when I'm writing. So I had to put myself mentally back in the best years of my life while I'm sitting in my house in a wheelchair. Must have been yeah, hard. So it was yeah. really tough. Were there moments, sorry, when you were writing that right? Because obviously it's over a few, few years, but was that the first time you had faced those thoughts when you were writing them? You know, like, because... Uh, some of them, but we I had an amazing sort of guide, like guru uh, person who I call my Yoda almost. Um, she doesn't look anything like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> um, a woman named Susie, she's incredible, and um, came along when I got back from the States where my injury happened. And yeah. I was in the spinal unit, and she came along and just said, hey, I'm here to help you work through this. Like, And, you know, and she believed I was going to walk again, and, you know, there might, still might be that possibility down the track, but it was more around just like, she would come and sit with me and sort of like a therapist almost. We'd just yeah, talk right. about whatever came up. Mm -hmm. She was a kinesiologist, so she did some work on my body as well and kind of the connection between body and and um, and sort of uh, emotion and, and all of that. So she helped me through, would come sit with me every week and we'd just kind of process the emotions like, you know, feeling inadequate or feeling like a burden on my friends and family or... Um, things like that, you know, and feelings of loss and stuck in the past and worries about the future and just help me really dig into those belief systems, peel back the layers of things I did not want to face, yeah. but I needed to in order to, to heal. So we worked through that and then the writing kind of came in 
sort of later in that process, but the writing of it actually really helped me understand the the learnings and put them into a way that I could understand better using analogies and yeah, comparisons. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's, for me, it's a way that I I wanted to make it not type of like super guru self help book like a, the Power of Now, like a Eckhart Tolle, which is a bit of a leap for some people. Mm-hmm. So I wanted those stepping stones to take people on the journey and, and make it easier for people to kind of adopt these learnings and, and life lessons that I kind of learned. Well, also in the book you reveal, and I think you have something in common with our very own Roger Farrelly here, how you used to be a bit of a ladies' man. How does it feel to be right up there with the big dog? <laughs> That's not true, Brad. No, he does. He, he does go around saying that. Uh, I mean, you know, it's something that I, I wanted to include in the book mm. um, in my pre-injury life and post-injury, and it, mainly because, you know, A, I wanted to tell an authentic story of what my life was, um, and, you know, but the the importance I put on sex and um, and women and relationships and everything before the accident really affected me afterwards. And, you know, just the, that feeling of loss and, and it just kind of, it was something I really, really struggled with. Yeah. So I needed to kind of paint the picture beforehand so that people could understand the impact that had. And, mm-hmm. and I want, you know, young men who do put a lot of importance on that, may watch a lot of porn or whatever it might be, and um, to understand that the damage that can have and how it can affect you later in life. Like, I screwed up relationships after my accident because of getting caught up in in a lot of that stuff and and just needing attention and Mm. ego and and all that sort of stuff. So it was was something that I, I wanted to paint that picture. People are also really interested about, like, sex after injury. Yeah, what yeah, I can they and are. Can't yeah. Well, well, I bet there's it's a lot intriguing. of. Yeah. I, yeah, I bet there's a lot of people who have a lot of questions that they, you know, they want to ask and then they don't ask them. Yeah, you get a few drinks into them and they'll yeah, start yeah, asking, yeah. But, yeah. But you said you've said that one of the most asked questions that people have asked you is about sex, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, like some people are, as we said, like more willing to ask that question than others, or yeah. it might take a couple of drinks to to get to that point. But no, people are intrigued yeah. by that, and it's um. I didn't want to just gloss over that stuff and I wanted it to be to be really real. And yeah. um, I think that comes into the title as well. It's owning every part of my life, good, bad, you know, ugly, whatever it is. Um, it's, it's taking acceptance a step further. Mm. I felt acceptance was a bit submissive still. So I wanted something empowering and, and I wanted to basically just take everything that I am and everything that my life is and, and own it and embrace it. As Bryce mentioned, you know, you've re- you wrote a lot of words, nearly half a mil, half a million. Uh, for those who don't know, how did, this may seem like a silly question, but it's not, how did you write the book? Um, so obviously being a quadriplegic, I yeah. can't use my arms and legs. No. And, um, so I, I've got a mouth stick stylus that's, you know, holding my mouth and yeah. I typed it all on my phone. Um, at first it was woodpecker style, one yeah. button at a time, but then thankfully iPhones added the swipe to text. So that kind of doubled my word count at that point, oh, saved my amazing. next, That's you know, incredible. And the and So actually, you know, from that 450,000, we cut it down to a little under half of that yeah. for the final um, yeah. final book. So <laughs> It's just still huge. Yeah. yeah. So sort of, I think it's what, you know, the Harry Potter maybe fourth book thickness. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty I was going to say. Not that I've read any of those. J.K. But. Rowling has written shorter stories, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a... It's a it's a heavy weight, uh, but yeah, as well. Is there wizards and stuff in your book, man? 
I think the only mention of wizard was, you know, the old drinking game of the wizard stuff. Yeah. I think that got cut out, though. I think it was like the day before I flew home from the States. I, you know, being six foot two as well, it's quite yeah. a few cans of beer to, yeah. to stack up. And I uh, think I woke yeah. up the next morning, I'd wet the bed and missed my, missed my flight. <laughs> but no, I think that got cut out. Oh, it's so good. Thank you so much for coming in, Brad. It is uh, very inspirational. Inspirational yeah. because you do a lot of um, I was motivational say, speaking. Yeah, yeah, you do a lot of that now, don't yeah, you? And, yeah, and that's the thing is I've found, you know, new purpose in life. And, you know, my life beforehand, it was around, you know, it's more, I guess, self centered around me trying to make a career in wakeboarding. Mm. Um, but now, yeah, it's, it's sort of about passing on what I've learned so that people can learn what I've learned without going through breaking your neck and. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just I enjoy helping others and inspiring people, and I really enjoy going along and speaking at schools or yeah. corporate talks and events, and it's yeah. just something that, yeah, it's, I love it. I've got two, two questions for you before you go, right? So what are your thoughts now on if you've got young kids, young guys, girls that are into sports where you've got to send it, you know, where whether it's skating or wakeboarding or whatever it is, like... Where do your thoughts sit on? Because obviously you would have been, you were the first to land that move in the first mm. place. And yeah. with trial, there's error and all of that. So does it, do you have parents or people asking you those questions? Yeah. Like, I, should I, my kid be doing this? I remember there was a, a talk and I had a a, um, a father ask me about that because he had his, I think his son was into mountain biking and his yeah. daughter was into horse riding. Yeah. Two yeah. very mm-hmm. sports that very commonly uh, lead to spinal cord injuries. And I just said, look, you know, by limiting um, risk, you're limiting possibility. So it's, you know, you could try to hold them back and save them from breaking their neck, but you might be stopping them from representing the country and going to the Olympics or, you know, like doing something incredible. So it's, there is always risk in life. There's risk crossing the road. There's risk in driving and, um, you know, driving is motor vehicle accidents is the number one cause. Mm-hmm. Second most is diving into shallow water. Yeah. Um, right, right. So it's, that's just life. And I think if we want to make an impact, you do have to take a risk. And there's, I think in sport as well, there are those people that, that make those leaps and push the limits and then the rest of the sport catches up. So those people are kind of necessary. Have in, to be there. In yeah. progression. Um, they don't all, they're not always the ones that reap the rewards. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think it's just I, like I wouldn't change anything in how I approached life and sport before my injury, um, even though it led to this. Obviously, if I could change it and stop it from happening, mm. I would. But I wouldn't take away the experiences and the life that I lived. Yeah, before right. That. It's an important message. Um, also, I want to ask you. I'm sure it's covered in the book, but you were saying earlier on in the interview that that may be a thing that happens one day, and that's talking about the ability to, you know potentially walk again which I've heard being mentioned even in the last few years like whether it was mm. through Jay or whatever and I know there was thoughts so I'm just people might be interested um, how does that go about like do you is there like therapy for it is there or is it just a sort of wait and see process um, so initially the first three years were all just physical rehab I yeah. was like okay I'll get back what I can naturally by just hard work yeah after, you know, that didn't really work out. I didn't get any arm movement back or anything. So I kind of got to the point where I was like really focusing on the research as well. And we've got some amazing research going on at um, University of Auckland at the Center for Brain Research there. 
but you know, you keep being told, oh, maybe five years away. Oh, yeah, cures right. five yeah, years yeah, away. Yeah, right. A friend of mine who had his accident twenty five years ago got told it's five years wow. away. It's been twenty five years. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not living life based on the hope of moving again and yeah. that being the only way I'm going to be happy. Um, I've sort of realized that my movement was the way I was approaching it was kind of the means to the end, which was happiness. And I realized that I could bypass that means and just focus on the end, which is the main goal, which is happiness. And so I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm still doing physical rehab, not five days a week, you know, it's more just a couple of days a week. Um, so it's more maintenance mode, keeping my body mm. fit and strong and, and ready for if something does come along. Yeah. Um, if there is a, a new treatment or anything, but yeah, I'm just not, I'm not living my life based on that and hanging on the, the hope of walking again. I, I feel like I can be happy. I can do some amazing things, inspire people and, and live a, live a good life as I am at the moment. Certainly yes, inspirational. <laughs> indeed, Incredibly. indeed. Thank you so much, Brad. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think it's a new book. Hope it goes well. Good luck Legions. with the book. Had some massive, had some massive yeah. pre-orders, didn't it? So it's going to go well. It's done really yeah. well so far. Yeah. So. Well, Thank I tell you. you what, Father's Day is this coming Sunday. Yes, it is. And then there's Christmas and there's everything in between and yeah. there's a reason for you to have a brand new book and read it. And it. this is the one to buy. Yeah, appreciate the support. Thank you. That was the Morning Rumble Catch-Up Podcast. Catch them weekday mornings from 6.